Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast. My name is Sam and I am your podcast host. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries, where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Ways that you can find us on social media. If you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast, you will find us there. On Instagram, our username is unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is unshakable underscore one. Ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. If you are listening this morning, we want to welcome you into the Unshakable Nation. Other ways, if you will check your notes right there in your podcast app, you will find links to other ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. As always, we want to continue to thank those who give to support the show and continue to help us to expand and grow our ministry to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For feedback, questions, comments, topics, whatever it is you want to throw at me, I ask that you send that over to sam at unshakableministries.com. But the most important way, and I say this during every episode, that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation is through your prayers. We covet your prayers greatly. We ask that you just continue to lift us up in prayer, praying that we would be sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, joining God where He is already at work, impacting the world one life at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, guys, this morning we are going to dive into another topic Uh, referring to false hope. That's what we've been going through is looking at false hope in ways that the capital C church may be in fact partaking in granting false hope to believers and non-believers at the same time and how that can actually affect the church and the church's mission and how it can also affect the life of a believer as a believer goes through their faith journey there are certain things that the church teaches and we've talked about some of those things we actually have have talked about uh, we've talked about cults and how the church in and of itself can have cult-like tendencies to draw people in and and they teach in a way that if you don't believe the way that they believe or the way that they teach, then you can be expelled from there and or you are not doing things the right way. And what we're trying to do, obviously here with this podcast, is we are trying to lead people back to Christ and looking at the way that Christ did everything. It's it, it's you've probably if you've been listening for any time you've heard me say this and it becomes redundant i get that but it it's also necessary to be said that we must filter all things in our lives through the life and teachings of jesus christ we have to remember that all scripture points to jesus christ period there there are no ands ifs or buts about it it all leads to jesus christ he is the central character in the universe of our faith. He's a central character, period, in all of history. When you look at the Old Testament and you read the Old Testament scriptures, everything is leading up to Christ. And then when you read the New Testament all the way to Revelation, it is all leading back to Christ. Everything must go through Christ. 
And if it doesn't go through Christ and the teachings of Christ and the life and the ministry of Christ, then it's not of Christ. And that's what we have to remember. Now, I've said this in many different episodes, and I want to bring it back up this morning because these are things that as I read through the scriptures, they continue to come up. And that's why I want to continue to stay on them and stay on top of them. And yes, there are a lot of things that I share here on the podcast that probably are like, Sam, why are you sharing that again? You've already said that. I understand that I've said it, but I want to continue to shed light on things as I read through Scripture and I hear certain teachings from the church. And I want to take them back to the Scriptures. That's what I want to do. I always... And and I believe that's imperative in each and every one of our lives as Christ followers is we don't just take what someone says as being fact, as being that's the way that it is and that's the way that it should be. Even if they're teaching it from the pulpit, they they are not all knowing. They are not perfect in their ways. And and I want people to understand that, that I've had people reach out to me and say, why do you keep bashing the church? Listen, I am a part of the Capital C Church. It's not bashing the church. It's an attempt to hold the church accountable to the teachings of Christ. It's, a, it's an attempt to make sure that we get this right. We only have one opportunity to get it right. And if we don't get it right, then what? So everything that I do is a challenge. It is it is not bashing. It is not judging. It is a challenge to these leaders in the church to say, hey, step away from statism. Step away from your denominationalism. Step away from what you were taught in the seminary. Go to the scriptures and learn for yourself. Be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you have this wrong. And when we do that, we that's where we begin to find the truth. It's when we are willing to be torn all the way down. It's what I believe Jesus is pointing out in the Beatitudes when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What that means is, is we have to remember where we came from. We have to remember that apart from God, that we are absolutely nothing. And that allows us to be humble. That allows us to admit that we might be wrong, that we might have it wrong. That's where we all have to come to a point of in our lives is admitting that, hey, you know what? I've been wrong. I could be wrong. And in the future, I probably will be wrong on things. And when we do that, we open ourselves up to being able to learn new things instead of being dogmatic in our thoughts and the way that we act in religious traditionalism. And that's what I'm trying to break is what I see looking at the capital C church is I see we are headed towards a pharisaical belief system. It's all based on practice. It's all based on religion. It's all based on tradition. It's not based on the actual word of God. It leaves zero room for actual freedom in Christ. And looking at what freedom in Christ actually looks like, freedom in Christ is allowing each individual unique believer to have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in them independently. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't foundational truths. As I've shared many times, there are foundational truths that we have to stand on. They're not up for question, period. 
And we've discussed some of those. So I want to make sure that I continue to clarify that, that I'm not saying that all things within the faith are open to interpretation or that anything really is open to interpretation. I guess what I'm really trying to get to is the growth in an individual is between God and that person. So though your conviction may be one thing, and some of them that I've discussed is though your conviction may be that you are to not partake in alcohol, that might not be someone else's conviction under grace. So we have to understand how grace works. And when we begin to understand how grace works, then we begin to understand that what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do may not be what the Holy Spirit is leading the other person to do, and we can't place our expectations onto them. But we've also talked about in in this False Hope episode, these episodes here, the series, what we've also talked about is there are actual teachings coming from the capital C church that are false teachings. And they are taught in a way that this is the way that it is, and they don't want to be challenged on these teachings. They want to give you justification on these teachings. And one of the ones that I really want to bring up this morning is this, and I see it all of the time. I see it taught by church leadership, and then I see how it plays out in the life of those who follow what the church leadership is teaching. And that one coming from the, the it's when it comes to the United States of America, and I don't want to keep just bashing the United States of America or, or, or anything. And I don't want people to feel like that. I am ungrateful for where God has placed me. I'm very grateful, but the same, at the same time, I would have to be grateful if God placed me in a different country, if God if God decided that I was going to be born somewhere else, I would also have to be grateful for that. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I am grateful that God has given me life, and I'm grateful for where God has given me life, but I would also be thankful and grateful if God had given me life somewhere else under a different regime, um, uh, ruling regime, earthly ruling regime. So here's the point that I'm trying to get to is, as I've pointed out, God has only had a covenant with two people groups. I've said this before in, in this podcast, and, and I want people to understand. God has only had two covenants. He's only had a covenant with two people groups. The first people group was the nation of Israel. These were the people that God chose, that God assembled. God made a nation out of them. This is a God, when you look at nations across this world, you go back and you look at the Old Testament Israel and you see that God formed Israel. God made them a nation. God gave them everything they needed in order to operate as a nation. He gave them their rules of engagement, so to speak. When you go back and you read the law, the Torah, when you see how God expected them to interact with him as well as interact with each other, and you can see the basis of this, the foundation of this in the Ten Commandments. You see that it was how to deal with God first, how to have a relationship with God first, and then he showed us how to have a relationship with each other. And then he also placed the consequences. He gave them the consequences. So this is what we see in this nation, in the nation of Israel. And that's what I want us to continue to go back to is understanding the covenant promises of God are only with two people groups. 
That is, the nation of Israel and the biblical parallel is the church. It's not the United States of America. It's not the nation of Canada. It's not the nation of Africa. And it is no longer the nation of Israel. And I know there are so many people that have in their mind that the nation, as we see it today, of Israel is in fact a covenant nation with God. But I want you to understand that even in Revelation, there's only a remnant of Israel that is protected, only a remnant. We don't exactly know how that's going to play out. I mean, we can read in Revelation and we can speculate, but we don't exactly know how that's going to play out. But what we do know is that the entire nation of Israel is not under the covenant with God anymore. And we see that, that because throughout history in the Old Testament, they continued to reject God. They continued to do what was right in their own eyes. And because of that, God rejected them. All right. Now, when you fast forward into the New Testament, God creates a new covenant through Christ Jesus with the capital C Church. But here's the verse that that people always want to go back to, and they use it to refer to the nation of America, the United States. And it really needs to be understood that this verse doesn't apply to the United States. As I said, the covenant of God has only been with two people groups. That is Israel, and that is the church. God does not have have a covenant with the United States of America. So when I read this verse, I want you to understand that when this verse was written, God was specifically talking to the nation of Israel. Now, I'm not saying that there's not some application that can be used within the context of the church, but this verse is not written in the context of being about the United States of America. Because understand, the United States of America is not of God or for God. So the verse comes from 2 Chronicles 7.14, and I hear people use it all the time. I see it constantly posted on Facebook, and they talk about the United States returning to God. And it's 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is not referring to the United States of America. I hate to be the one to break that to everyone, that this is not referring to this country. It is referring to God dealing with the church. We are the people called by his name. The nation of Israel is not. Or the nation of the United States is not. The nation of Israel was at one point called by his name, but now they're not. So the question is, when you read this verse, do you truly understand the covenant promise in this and who it is to? It is to the nation of Israel specifically. And like I said, does that mean that there's not some application within the context of the church? No, I'm not saying that. There absolutely could be. But you have to understand what our land is. Our land is the church. Our land is not the United States. So we've got to learn how to stop taking this and trying to apply it to the United States of America. And that if the United States of America will 
humble themselves, pray and seek God, and turn from their wicked ways. The truth of it is, people of God are not of God. They're not seeking God. They're not turning from their wicked ways. And this country is full of those people. All countries are full of those people. We can't take this and apply this to all countries. We have to understand what it means. And looking at this, it is a covenant promise to the nation of Israel, possibly a covenant promise to the church. Not saying it is, not saying it isn't. Again, but I want us to start getting some clarity on these things and understanding that there are specifics in the church that are taught, and they're taught with false hope. And we're taught that we should be praying. Now, don't don't misunderstand. I do believe, as Scripture tells us, that we should pray for those who are in authority, right? We should pray for our government leaders. I believe that. I believe we should pray for everyone that is, as much as we can. But especially when we're, you know, in our prayer time, we should pray for these people. We don't want them to fail. Obviously, we want them to succeed, but we want them to succeed in the Lord. We want them to turn to Jesus. This is ultimately what we want. And and that's what we should pray. But at the same time, we should not take these types of verses right here and try to apply them to the United States of America and say that, I mean, if you say it within that context that people are constantly saying it, you are somehow saying that the United States of America is God's chosen nation. You're saying that the United States of America is God's people. No, there are some of God's people in the United States of America, but the United States of America is not God's covenant nation. They they are not, as I said, of God or for God. You can look at that day in and day out and see that they are not doing anything even remotely close to what you would consider to be within the faith. They're not following God. They're not trusting the Word of God. And that's what we have to understand as Christ followers. So this morning, I just wanted to bring some clarity to that specific verse, and I hope that this helps you. And I hope if it helps you, you will share this with someone else that it might help them to see the difference between what we're being taught and the case and what we gather from Scripture in the truth. So I hope this morning that you will take this and you will understand that the church has to be challenged in some of these teachings where they're granting false hope. Our hope is not in this country, in the government of this country. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Let us seek His face. Let us present our bodies as living sacrifices to Him as this is our act of worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let us become more Christ-like in everything we do and filter everything in our lives through the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for your covenant with us as the body of Christ. And God, we pray you continue to lead us, guide us, and direct us through your Holy Spirit. Father, that we would be obedient to what you are calling us to do. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you have done for your bride. And you laid down your life. You gave us an example of what it looks like to live that life sacrificially, selflessly. 
for the sake of others, let us be willing to set ourselves aside. Let us deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you, Jesus. We are not worthy of what you did, but we are so thankful for what you did. And pray that you just continue to teach us, help us to grow in our faith, that we would become more like you, and that we would be the mirror image of you to this world, that they would see you for who you are and for what you did, and they would fall in love with you. In all of this, we pray that you would make us unshakable. We give you the glory, you the honor, and you the praise in Christ's name. Guys, I love you, and until next time, remain unshakable.